0: Welcome to the Focus on Customer Service podcast, presented by Social Media Today, where we talk to brands you know and love who are laser-focused on using social media to deliver amazing customer experiences. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dan Gingas and Dan Moriarty.
1: Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Focus on Customer Service podcast. We're very happy to have you with us. And as always, I'm Dan Gingas, joined by my partner in crime, British Dan, Dan Moriarty. How are you doing, sir?
0: I'm doing well
1: done. How are you doing, mate? Doing very well. Always exciting to do these podcasts on Blab and to, first of all, see our guests and also to be able to talk to some listeners and get listener questions, which we really enjoy. Today, we are very excited to welcome uh, two gentlemen from Spotify. We have Chug Abramowitz, who is the Vice President of Global Customer Service and Social Media. Chug, how are you? today. I'm
2: doing good, guys. Glad to be here.
1: We're happy to have you. And we also have your partner in crime, who is also British. So we'll have some very interesting vocal texture today. Sam Thomas, who is the global manager of social media support. How are you, Sam? Very
3: good. Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
1: And we've already gone through the fact that uh, Sam and Dan basically know each other and maybe are related because they all, they come from the same town. So that was sort of exciting. So Chug, maybe if you can start out and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Spotify, kind of how you got here, and then we'll ask the same question to Sam.
2: Sure. So I, as you said, I, I oversee customer support and social media for Spotify. I you know, originally started at Spotify about almost three and a half years ago now, and my focus was initially digital customer support. That included overseeing the support website and starting up the social media team. And then I, at some point about, I guess, 18 months ago, took over the entire support team, which uh, includes our email support. And then recently, I've also been uh, put in charge of social media marketing. So that's sort of my my current remit is uh, those areas.
1: Awesome. Very cool. Where are you based? Uh, I'm based in New York. Fantastic. How about you, Sam?
3: So yeah, I've been Spotify for about four and a half years now. Um, so I can I started at the company as an email agent straight out of university. So yeah, I spent about eighteen months as an email agent before moving into the social media team, in which yeah, Chug set that up. So moved into the social media team. Worked started working on yeah, Twitter to our community, Facebook, all the channels there, writing writing for the FAQs as well, then moved into the team lead position of that team and in the last couple of months have moved into the global manager role. So, yeah, it's been a nice progression so far.
0: Very cool. and It'd be great to hear a bit from you guys about the overall structure of the team. Obviously, Chug, you're there in New York. Sam, you're there in Cambridge in England. It'd be great to kind of hear how you guys structure that, that wider support team and where you guys sit geographically.
2: Yeah, so we have the team is a combination of internal employees and then also we use outsourcers. And so our internal CS center is in Cambridge in the UK where Sam works. And I, how many do we have there now, Sam? I, loo- I lose track of the headcount.
3: Yeah, it's changed a bit recently. I think we're, we're new enough for 20 here in Cambridge, but 55 outsourcers
2: yeah and then so we have outsourcers in bogota colombia and in manila in the philippines and then a handful in sofia bulgaria and we cover english spanish portuguese and german currently on uh, social media
0: but no bulgarian
2: not yet not yet Som- someday <laughs>
1: All right. And tell us a little bit about the social media presence, both you know, what channels you guys are on. And then as we get into the customer service piece, I'm interested to know what kinds of questions that you get from your audience. I
2: believe that's the same.
3: So yeah, we have our Spotify Cares, Spotify Uda, Azuda and Hilfda channel on Twitter. So that's where, that's where most of our volume is. Uh, we have Facebook pages as well, but we don't post too much about those because we simply don't have the bandwidth to support facebook properly as a channel just yet because it would it would explode should we start doing that so we focus mainly on twitter we have a spotify community as well so our, our user forum in which we moderate that and make sure that's a friendly place to be and we've been looking at instagram recently as well and looking uh, pushing out some educational content on there but they're the main channels we work on
2: and i think the main content we get has a lot to do with People having like immediate issues, like you know, not being able to play stuff. Sometimes account and payment issues. It's it's interesting because our email volume, you know, someone's expecting a a response usually in about twenty four hours over email. So there we see a lot of payment issues and account issues. Whereas in social media, they expect a much faster response. So you th- see things like if the service isn't playing right or something like that, where those usually get solved pretty quickly and somebody that won't take the time to, to email you those types of issues.
0: And um, so you guys have 20 roughly in-house and about 50 outsourced. Yeah. Are they just service agents that really are going across all channels or do you divide by email versus social versus phone?
2: That's just social. That team is doing just the you know the Twitter feed. They're doing like Sam said, uh, you know, Facebook and community. And then the internal team also writes the articles for the support website. So we try to make the internal job have some variety to it. They also do QA and things like that uh, internally.
3: Yeah. It was- into a few teams internally here. So we, do, we try and act as the support staff for, the, outs- for the, um, the outsourcers,
0: really. That's actually where I was going to go next. I think you guys might be, and Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you might be the first group we've had in that kind of have a half-in, half-out model. How does that work? How do you figure out what an outsourcer responds to versus an in? insurcer? Is there certain number of permissions? Is there different time zones that you're working on?
2: Yeah, so there's definitely different time zones that that we cover, and then there's also we break it up into different queues. Sam, you can talk to the specifics of that.
3: Yeah, so we're separated into different queues. We have uh, priority queues. There are like VIPs and tweets to our CEO and stuff that goes straight to the Cambridge team. For the more basic, for the for the more immediate interactions, they can be dealt with by our outsourcers. It's more stuff that needs chasing up internally that's dealt with by the Cambridge team here.
0: Gotcha. And how are you identifying that VIP list?
3: I mean we look at we look for we look for journalists, we look at followers, we look at influencers. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty much it. We look at followers mainly. But also looking for that journalist tag.
0: Yeah. Do you do anything with um, probably your uh, for those that don't know Spotify, it's probably probably most people do at this point but you have a free product that turns into a subscription model. Is there any difference? So I should say I'm a subscriber, have been for a long time, I'll often describe you guys as my best $10 I spend on a monthly basis. Would I get any better service than Dan, who is quite well known for not wanting to spend $10 a month?
2: No, no. We're, we, we treat everyone on social media the same. No. Uh, they all get... So the, uh, uh, they... has nothing
0: to do with, with paid or, or kind of free...
2: No, on, on, well, on social, you definitely can't, you know, you can't delineate who, who's who. So we give everyone the same high quality service across the board on all our social channels.
1: Now, one thing that I know makes you guys unique is that you actually integrate your product into your social media responses. Can you talk a little bit about how you do that?
2: So we have a concept that we call RACS, which stands for Random Acts of Kindness. And so we try to look for ways to put that special smile on customers' faces. You know, unfortunately, we don't have the margins Zappos does. So, you know, we can't be sending people pizzas and things like that. But we try to, you know, do things within our product that accomplish that, you know, from whether it be sharing a a song that, you know, we think somebody may like or the other big one is, We'll take it. We'll create a playlist of songs and put a message in the title of the playlist, and that's sort of one of the the big ones that blows customers away. You know, when they they open up this playlist and all of a sudden they realize that we've put a message down there for them. Yeah,
1: that playlist page with the songs So, can you give us an example?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, some of the the better ones are you know we we had one where actually somebody tweeted our ceo and he you know and they what they did is they actually went in and they said they took a playlist and they put a message in and they said have you ever seen your product being used like this and so he he forwarded it to me and i sent it to the guys in cambridge and said you know let's give it let's give daniel a response and so we sent it back to daniel and the response said in the message it was like yeah, this is pretty much how I spend all my time during the week. It drives my girlfriend completely crazy, but I've made her an amazing apology playlist, so all's good. <laughs> so So you know when when the CEO is getting in on it that you know things are working out pretty good. Do you guys have a hack on the back end to find those songs? Yes, yeah, and you can talk about that. Yeah, we
3: we have done until very recently. We've changed a few things in the client, which means it's not working at the moment. But the dev is coming to fix it. But in the past, we've had a we've had a tool in which we could simply write out our sentence, and it would find the songs and and put it into a playlist for us. I mean, prior to that, we we were creating everything manually. But one of the devs in in New York, he really liked what we were doing, so he uh, he thought we'd try and. Create a little hack to uh, help us out, so he he did that, and it it was it was working amazing for quite a while. Sorry, the lights going. It was yeah, it works awesome. But yeah, it's broken a little bit recently. Otherwise, I would show you as well. But cool.
1: The one, the one I remember seeing was that, and just to kind of explain to people who are listening. That the answer to the question is maybe a sentence, and the sentence might contain, I don't know, 15 words. And it sounds like your algorithm or your hack comes up with song titles that actually spell out the sentence, which is really cool. And sometimes it's a couple songs, sometimes it's a, it's a bigger list. But as you read down the playlist, you actually get the exactly. answer. Exactly.
2: Yeah. It's sort of interesting. Sam, tell them how that, that all came about. I always find the story sort of interesting
3: yeah that that playlist poetry stuff is kind of so i mean it's, since i started about four and a half years ago it has it has always been a thing i mean it initially started as sending moderately abusive playlists to each other in which again i would show you some but it's like some of it's hr worthy so i wouldn't mm-hmm. but it sort of developed into putting these putting these messages into uh, the office playlist that goes around in which you would hide messages and try and try and get your try and get your colleagues to notice the messages but um and they then sort of evolved into, like Chuck mentioned, we we try and include in, when when we reply to our users, we try and include a song that they might like, or if we know the music they like, we'll create a playlist of new stuff that they might they might really enjoy. Because I mean, ultimately, we're all music fans as well. In which we would include like a piece, like a message at the top of that playlist that like, hey Dan, here's some tracks we think you will really love, and then 20 tracks that they gonna they're gonna enjoy. Um, so it sort of evolved from that. And the the guys in the the social team kind of took it a little bit further and started with like throwing those playlists wherever they can into their responses
0: on social. You Can always rely on social folks to take it a little bit further. So you said something there, Sam, that was interesting, which is ultimately you're all music fans. Is that a key component of, of being hired onto the team? Is that one of the attributes you guys look for?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean Everyone in this office is a huge music fan, so that's, that's definitely something we look for. I mean, when we're recruiting from, from the outside, we, we look for someone who's like passionate with the music, passionate with the social, and yeah, have a very, like a good understanding of the, like, the music space
0: as it is. What, what does your recruitment process look like? So you've obviously got 20 people now on the team. How have you picked them? Like, what's the kind of common personality traits, if you will? Well,
3: they need to show a good energy. They need to have a really good um, standard of writing. Again, they need, to, they need to know they're social. And when we've, ideally, we'd, in, we'd recruit in-house. So the folks that have been doing great on the email side, for example, with amazing QA scores, we would often look at the, those guys first. When we're looking at recruiting for our outsources as well, again, we look at the QA scores and we would, we would do a good number of writing tests because we're really protective over our tone of voice. That's that's something we really try and monitor very, very closely. We do an awful lot of writing tests, and, yeah, we ultimately select the guys with the best QA, QA scores.
0: How do you make sure, so you're just saying you're very protective over the, the tone of voice. So once you find someone, once you, once you say, okay, this person is the right person for this role, what does your onboarding look like? And I assume that the, the tone of voice training is a, is a big part of that. Yes, yeah,
3: so, I mean, if we were if we were to recruit someone entirely fresh, they would need to they would need to train up for the email team initially, and they would need to they would need to work on the work on email for a good for at least a month, so they get to understand the problems that our customers would have. Then we would train them up for social media. The CRM that we use allows us to have an approvals process, so we'll do the training and we'll we'll get them we'll get them all our style guides and all the relevant docs that they need, in which we then get them tweeting, but everything they do tweet will be overseen by our QA, and our QA team. So they will they will give the all clear if it's good enough to go out on our channels. And only only when about ninety five percent of their tweets are are absolutely fine and don't don't need to be changed by our QA team at all, that's when we would take them off approval, and that's when they'd be good to go.
2: Yeah, I think one of the keys is that we don't really let them get into social media until they, they no longer really have to be thinking about how to to solve the cases at that point. By the time they get into doing social media, they're really just focused on the tone of voice and executing and things like that. They're really, you know, by that point, they know how to work most of the cases. And so I think that allows them to focus on the tone of voice and things. And then like Sam said, we have a really stringent QA process and it goes on for quite a while until we're pretty comfortable with uh letting them out on their own
1: that's pretty interesting i've never heard of starting people on email first it makes all the sense in the world i mean we've definitely talked with Brands where they cross-train people on multiple channels, usually because of the volume of social. But I think training them on email is a really interesting takeaway that of the brands we've talked to. I don't remember hearing before, so think,
2: that's yeah, pretty I cool. I think with email, you're talking about a one-to-one relationship. So there's there's a lot less risk as opposed to when you're on social media and it's a one-to-many relationship, and and so we we would rather. Take our risk on the email channels where there's a lot less chance of something blowing up on us than on social media.
1: Sure. And it also tests out the writing in real time, which is cool. So, Chug, I want to go back to something you said early on when you were explaining your role. And you mentioned that you were also in charge of social media marketing. And one of the things that we talk about on the show sometimes is the interaction between marketing and customer service. In a lot of large companies, they're two completely different groups and, and they probably don't talk as much as they should. Can you talk to me about those two parts of your job and how they intersect and maybe how the teams work together?
2: Yeah, so I think that the the feeling at Spotify was that our CS social media team was doing great work. We actually won a Webby Award and, and uh, had had a lot of really success and a great tone of voice. And I think the feeling was, while well, the social marketing team was doing some great work also, that there were some challenges they were facing. And so it was something where the company decided that, you know, it would be helpful if I could sort of implement some of the work we've done in CS into the marketing team. A lot of that has to do with like, you know, setting up production processes and and some of the, the things that you, you naturally have to do in CS and implementing some of that stuff in marketing also. And so now, we, the, the teams are working together much closely, you know, much more closely. It's not perfect yet, but I've actually brought over some of the folks from the CS team onto the social marketing team. So um, there's definitely a lot more coordination uh, between the two groups, and, and that will continue to grow as, uh, as we, we move into the rural, uh, you know, longer term.
0: And what do you guys do with, um, so again, this, this multi-office, in-house, out-house, priority queues? I'm assuming you guys have got some technology power in that. Is that proprietary or is that uh, licensed technology?
2: We license a CRM to do all of our, uh, our queues, yeah. And
0: it's a CRM tool, is it?
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, social CRM. And what, and what sort
0: of social CRM have you, have you managed to get? Have you managed to make any connection between your subscribers and Twitter handles or is that, is it kind of completely separate? We're just using the CRM system
2: first. Yeah, right now they're separate. I mean, ideally in the in the long run, that would be great, but we're not quite at that point yet.
0: And that's where you start getting to the really interesting intersection between marketing and CS when you start getting some those data points
2: Yeah, I, I'm really, I would love to get to that point. <laughs> we're, we're not quite there yet, but that's the end game eventually. yeah.
1: So, what have you guys seen that's changed in in the recent months or years that you've been doing this, whether it's, you know, platform developments or the types of questions that you get or the expectations of customers on social?
2: I mean, I, I think, you know, we're currently doing a, a beta program with Twitter. And I, I think Twitter has become much more, they, They've you know, since Jack came back, I think there's been a realization that there's a heck of a lot of CS going on on social media or on Twitter, I mean. And, uh, and so now they're trying to start developing tools focused on CS and really, you know, trying to, to help CS out. So I think that's like a, a critical piece that, that's going to be a, a big game changer, actually. I think, mean, you know, Sam, you can speak a little bit of that too.
3: Yeah. Some of those new features look
2: pretty exciting.
3: I think with, with Facebook as well, with messenger and with WhatsApp and those, those platforms, they're, Absolutely, something we need to really, really keep a close eye on, because I
2: mean, it is it's it's getting
3: more and more, more and more normal to have a conversation with a company.
2: Also. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that in the next two to four years, like Messenger and WhatsApp are going to become the standard place for customer service. You know, I, I I'll be shocked if almost all companies aren't on there within the next two to four years, and and you don't see a major shift to chat through Messenger or WhatsApp.
0: Two to four years or two to four months?
2: Well, uh, I don't I don't think it will quite be two to four months, but I think a couple of years you're gonna I, I think, you know, there's there's early adopters doing it right now, but I think like within somewhere between two to four years, all companies are gonna be doing it without a doubt. So I'm, I'm
0: very, very bullish on messaging. And actually, I'm glad you said that, Sam, because I was about to go right there. And my, my question's a bit deeper than we've gone already, but it's really, you said at the start, about how the email team you see is one-to-one and the social team is one-to-many, and messaging is somewhere awkwardly in the middle of those things. Have you guys given much thought around where messaging will sit inside your organization, what role you can see it playing? Have, have you started dabbling? Have you got messenger integration up,
2: up and running? No, we don't have it yet. I, I, I'm not really interested being in the first to, to break into the space. You know, I'm, I'm fine letting someone else work out the kinks and, and sort of then jumping in a little down the road. To me, though, it's chat. It's a one-to-one relationship. It's not the same thing as, as doing social. We haven't determined exactly where it would sit in the org yet, but I see it much more as like a standard chat. You know, there, there's not a lot of difference in it in my mind.
0: And do you have standard chat offered currently anywhere? Is there like a, Okay. We
2: we don't. We've run some uh, pilot tests against it, but currently we're not uh, offering it to users yet.
0: And, and one last question on this, and I promise I'll stop. You get offered tomorrow, you can launch Messenger or WhatsApp integration for Spotify. What do you guys pick?
2: Oh, that's tough because we're huge in Europe. You know what I mean? So so for us, if we're going to do one, we're going to do both. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I wouldn't... Because once you set up the infrastructure to build, you know, once you set up a chat team, then it doesn't really matter which they're in. I mean, they're both very similar. I think Messenger. Play my game. Well, I I think Messenger is further along. You know, I I think WhatsApp is a little behind. Uh, They haven't quite gotten as far along. So I would say Messenger is probably you know further down the road today.
0: And if you, sorry, one more, and then I really will be done. If you guys get so, there's a lot of articles and rumors out there at the moment around autom- automation within messaging platforms. Have you guys given any thought towards a future that maybe doesn't have humans behind some of the more routine questions, or is that is that pipe dream at this point? Still, so not I- pipe, pipe nightmare.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I've seen some of the the different tools out there and they're pretty lightweight at this point. You know, I mean, I've been in conversations with with some of the players out there who who claim that at some point they're going to be able to get rid of first level support, you know. But I think that's a little down the road. (laughs) I'm not. I definitely haven't seen anything. I've looked at a couple things that a couple companies have offered and it's not there yet. You know, I, my guess is you're still looking like four or five years down the road till that stuff's going to really, truly like eliminate level one support.
0: Yeah. At least for the cons subscribers, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, it, listen, it, it, it's really interesting stuff. I just think yeah. that it's, there's a lot of complexity in doing it. You know, it just, a lot of it depends on what, what you're doing. You know, the simpler level one support you have, the quicker you'll be able to do it. But if you have a wide range of things, then it becomes a little more complicated. Yeah, for
1: sure. You are listening to episode 31 of the Focus on Customer Service podcast. And we're very happy to have Chug Abramowitz and Sam Thomas, who are from Spotify. And their help handle is Spotify Cares. And we've got two more questions for you guys. And then uh, we've got a couple of questions from the live audience here that we want to make sure we get on. So we always like to ask people to share with us a memorable interaction that you've had with a customer, um, knowing that you've had hundreds, if not thousands of them over the years. And um, there's always a couple that stick out and that uh, you sort of remember either they're funny or sad or happy or something. And so I'll give either of you or both uh, the opportunity to share one.
2: Well, I'll, well, Sam, it looks like Sam's pondering, so I'll let him <laughs> think for a minute. I always remember I used to work for Belkin, you know, doing router support. And I just remember one of the, the first calls I ever sat in on was this woman from the deep, deep south who had bought a router out of a Walmart bin for probably, you know, $20. And, and just trying to explain to her, you know, how to set up a router, which can be pretty complicated. And just really understanding that I am not, you know, necessarily the customer because I think we all are very easy to think, you know. Oh, well, they're my age, they at my education. You know what I mean? And you, you put yourself in that place. And I always remember sitting there and listening to this woman and being like, "Oh my God, I am nothing like the customer," and I need to to realize that when uh, when doing
1: this type of work. That probably goes for music tastes too. As you guys are recommending things, you got to be careful that it's not just your music yeah. taste. Well, right?
2: that, that's definitely you know when we were talking about the hiring criteria. You know, there are people that get disqualified based on music taste. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wish I wish I was allowed to disqualify people for that, but I'm not.
1: Well, they're not a protected class, exactly. I don't think <laughs> Sam, you got it? Any- yeah, I was just thinking
3: of one particular interaction we had a while ago, In which we it was it was a nice team effort actually it just kind of showed that we all kind of enjoy what we do. It was it was one particular user who'd um, who'd got in touch with just just having a general playback issue that we that we, that we thought was social and we we did it all publicly in which they being super happy, they then tweeted the lyrics of "Let it go" from frozen they, they they tweeted that, and then moments later their manager tweeted us saying, "What have you done? He's playing this super loud in the office now, and he's going to be playing it all day. Well, <laughs> In which again, the original the original customer replied with some more uh, frozen lyrics, saying like I'm a I'm a Disney princess that type of thing. In which the manager was like tweeting us loads going no that that type of thing. In which like we we managed to put our heads together and we used uh, we're lucky enough to have a graphic designer in the team here as well. So he drew up a picture of this this customer as a Disney princess. In which we posted that picture to to the user. And um, yeah, the user just replied saying, Oh my God, Spotify just won the internet. And then he made that, like, that frozen picture that we created. He was <laughs> on his social media accounts so moments after. So it was, that was a lovely little win.
1: Nice. I was just about forgetting about that song. I have a, a daughter who was a big frozen <laughs> fan. And thanks for bringing that back into my consciousness. <laughs>
0: and that- And then the other question we'd like to ask, guys, is, and I think, Chug, you might have touched on all the answer here, so it might be might be be, quite duplicative, but most people that we talk to have kind of stumbled their way into touching social customer service in their career somehow. No one really went to university for it or kind of really, really kind of came into it thinking, this is what I'm really going to do. So we always ask, you know, what have you learned over the last three or four years of doing this that you wish you'd known three or four years ago that would have made your lives a lot easier?
3: The last four and a half years have been an insane learning curve for me anyway. So I'm not sure what I'd like to, anything else I'd like to throw into the mix. So I would say pretty happy with how it's gone.
2: Yeah. I I think at the end of the day, well, you, you know, when I got into this, a lot of people said, you know, well, it's just the same as doing any support in, in that it's really no different than any other channel support. And while I do think that there are similarities in that it is a production line, you know, like other channels. If you really want to do great support, you have to really empower the agents to do something a little special and above and beyond and creating an environment where advisors can go and really, you know, the, the typical wow customers is really what makes social support stand out, you know? So to me, it's, it's you know, training them, getting them what they need, and then creating an environment for them to really thrive in. And, uh, and when you do that, then you end up getting some um, pretty, you know, amazing results, which we've been fortunate to see.
1: Cool. Well, thank you for that. I, I want to jump to a couple of questions from our audience. Um, going back earlier on, you were you were talking about how uh, you have you've outsourced some stuff. And, and one of the questions early on was how you measure the success of the outsourced population. Is it similar to your employee population or uh, is there, are there similar. different measures? I mean,
2: we, we look at quality scores and then we also look at output and things like that. Uh, the the jobs are a little bit different between the two, but I think the measurements are pretty much the same.
3: Yeah. Quality is the big thing for us, really.
1: Okay. And then the second question comes from Alan Berkson, who is a customer service expert in his own right and a, a fan of the show. We really appreciate it. He wants to know, have you ever had an explosion on social and how did you handle it? Anything that kind of blew up or went in the we're, direction that we're pretty that you didn't lucky expect.
2: in that we don't get a lot of trolling because most people are pretty big fans of Spotify, you know? And so, Hey, cause I've gotten asked that question a couple times at conferences mm-hmm. and things. And, and it's always from, you know, like someone who works for an insurance company or something. And, and we just don't, we don't have that quite same experience, but I think, you know, there, there have been a couple times where some negative stuff has happened and, and, you know, I, I use the, the term positive active and and my general feeling is that when every single interaction an advisor makes like has a positive attitude and is, is actively trying to help someone, that like 99% of the time you can turn someone's attitude around. And we've seen ones where they start out, you know, using the F word and swearing at us. And the guys really come in with this positive active attitude. And, you know, very shortly after they're saying, I love you, Spotify. And the guys uh, respond back with the song, Love You More. And uh, and we've seen it happen a bunch of times. Now, I I always say, like, there's this 1% that is just miserable people that you're not going to be able to change their mind. But really, 99% of the time, if you go at them with that type of attitude, it usually can turn them around.
3: Absolutely. And that comes down to our tone of voice thing as well. Awesome. Well, guys,
2: thank you so much for
0: joining us today. It's been uh, super cool talking to the pair of you. I think, as, as I've mentioned, huge Spotify fan. Love the work you guys are doing as a, as a product and on social as well. Dan, absolute pleasure as always. And to everyone who joined us on The Blab and who's listening to the podcast, thank you very much. Let us know if there's any brands you would like Dan and I to get on in the future using the hashtag FOCS on Twitter. And hopefully we'll see you soon for another episode. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Focus on Customer Service podcast presented by Social Media Today. Be sure to tweet your thoughts and nominations for other brands to be featured using hashtag FOCS. And follow Dan and Dan on Twitter at DGingus and at I am Dan Moriarty. See you next time.